you're listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. A special welcome to people who are here as friends and guests and occasional visitors this evening. Know that you are most welcome. I want to begin by telling you a story. And this story was told to me when I was first ordained and working as an assistant at St. Paul's Church in Fort Garry, told to me by the senior priest there, my supervisor, perhaps as something of a cautionary tale. He told of a story that he'd heard from the mid-1960s from the Diocese of Calgary. Now, that's a diocese centered in the city, but with a considerable number of small town and rural parishes, farm parishes. And in that context, a newly ordained priest in a rural, very rural farm parish decided that he had a very important point to make on his first Christmas Eve with that congregation. Reasoning that all of the typical crash scenes, classic paintings, and Christmas card portrayals of the nativity scene are all a bit too clean, neat, and sanitized. This vigorous young priest seized upon what was for him apparently a real crackerjack of a teaching moment. From the pulpit that evening in that little farm church, he talked about the textures of the story that Luke tells, of this expectant young woman who, with her husband, had been forced to travel back to his ancestral home to satisfy the whims of empire. When they arrive, there is nowhere for them to stay, and so they end up huddled in the stable where she does in time give birth. You're all farmers, he said to them, and you know what barns are really like. To remind us of what it would have been like for Mary that night, I've taken some straw and manure from the floor of one of your barns and placed it in the manger scene here this evening. Well, one can only imagine the looks on the faces of the farmers sitting in those pews. I've no idea what anyone might have said to that enthusiastic young priest that night, but I do know that the bishop's office received a rather angry phone call a couple of days later from a very unhappy matriarch of the parish. The new rector's been putting cow dung in the manger, she said. Except that being a farmer, dung was not her word of choice. Use your imaginations. Now, it was probably more than a little presumptuous for that young priest from the city to try to make his point about the earthiness of the manger scene in that way. But in telling you his story, we're at least reminded of the rough conditions in which the Christ child was born. Of course, as soon as Luke tells of the birth, his focus shifts to another equally rough and earthy setting. In that region, he writes, there were shepherds living in the fields, 
keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, contrary to what so many of our usual images of the shepherds would suggest, rough-hewn, bearded men, the shepherds in those fields were quite likely to have been young women and young men, the ones in that world typically given the task of caring for sheep. We see it in stories from the Hebrew Scriptures, When Moses flees from the Pharaoh into the land of Midian, he meets the seven daughters of the priests of Midian who are at the well tending their father's flock. When Jacob meets Rachel, she is at the well watering her father's sheep. When we first meet David, he is the youngest of seven brothers, and his work is the shepherding of the flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before those shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. And of course they were. They'd never seen anything like this before. They'd probably heard old stories told of angels and visions, but they'd never for a minute expect to see or feel anything like this. That's the sort of thing that happened in the long-ago deep past the sort of thing that happened to Moses and Jacob and Isaiah, not to us. We're just shepherds in the fields outside Bethlehem. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. Do not be afraid. It's a phrase that Jim Kroger, the songwriter, calls that important line of angels in his song, The Angel Gabriel. Do not be afraid, or more accurately from the Greek of the original text, stop being afraid. It really is the defining statement of the angels in these stories related to the birth of Jesus. It's spoken by the angel to the priest Zechariah. Gabriel comes to tell him that his wife Elizabeth will soon become pregnant, in spite of the fact that they've long been able, unable to have children. It's spoken to Mary when Gabriel visits her with word that she is being called to be the mother of the child who will be called Son of God. It's spoken to Joseph when an angel comes to him in a dream with reassurance that Mary's pregnancy is of God, that he need not worry that she's been unfaithful in her betrothal promises. And here it is again, that important line of angels spoken to frightened shepherds in the hills surrounding Bethlehem. Do not be afraid. Jesus himself will speak these words to his disciples a number of times. At points when they experience something they they just can't understand, so they freeze up in fear when he first calls Peter and James and John to follow him. When he comes to them across the water, do not be afraid. It will be spoken again by an angel late in the story. When Mary Magdalene and the other Mary go to the tomb where Jesus' body has been laid after his crucifixion, 
And they go and they find that tomb empty. And according to Matthew, there is an angel there, all light and energy. It's an unfathomable scene, a frightening scene. Yet the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has been raised. Go quickly. Tell his disciples, do not be afraid. Stop being afraid. Now, there is a good deal in our own world that causes people to be afraid. In our own city, we hear of a rise in gun violence, of people fearful to walk downtown, of the crystal meth crisis. I was at a meeting two weeks ago that gathered church leaders and social agency directors from all around West Broadway. And our talk turned to the meth crisis. The director of Resource Assistance for Youth told us that she was soon going to take part in a memorial service for a young person from her program who had recently died, and that it was the ninth such death since September, all related one way or another to that drug. That's frightening. News reports that alert us to the rising tide of climate change, to a divisive politics of fear that has seized so many, many nations around our world, to a staggering number of refugees displaced from their homes by war or by desperate social, economic, and political conditions. It can overwhelm. The temptation is to shut off the news. I don't want to hear it anymore. Fold up the newspaper. I don't want to think about it. Just try not to think about it. See, fear does that. It makes you freeze in helplessness or to just close your eyes and pretend that there's no threat there at all. It's just not there. Stop being afraid, the angel says, which doesn't mean to simply mm, ease up, stop fretting, relax, it'll all pan out. No, because in these gospel stories, when that important line of angels is spoken, there is always a response. Zechariah swallows his disbelief, and he goes home to Elizabeth. Mary hears the word and responds with her assent, may it be done as you have said. While Joseph releases his own unease and cleaves to Mary, through this utterly unexpected pregnancy. The shepherds run to see what has happened in Bethlehem, and they return glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. Peter, James, and John, they swallow hard and they dare to follow Jesus. Mary Magdalene runs to tell the disciples the news that Jesus is risen, do not be afraid is always followed by a response, an action, a release from fear that then lets you do. But our world is facing just too big, too frightening, too overwhelming kinds of problems. 
You might protest that, right? We often think that. I can't possibly make any difference. Hmm. But try telling that to Greta Thunberg, who mobilized millions of young people around the world to rally their political leaders to think again about policies and practices. Try telling that to members of the Bear Clan, who night after night after night will walk the streets of this neighborhood and the streets of the North End, picking up needles, bringing a bit of comfort and nourishment to people living rough, and giving people in those neighborhoods a sense of safety and security. Somebody is on our street who cares, who watches. Try telling that to the people who volunteer at Siloam Mission, offering meals and medical care, encouragement and support to some of the most desperate of this city's citizens. There are, of course, no easy answers to the pain and struggle of this world, but there are still choices to be made by each and every one of us, day by day by day. Small choices sometimes, yes, but choices still. Do not be afraid. And in the context of the gospel we proclaim this night, indifference and defeatist fearfulness are not options. They are to be met by the proclamation that God has promised to be active in our world and in our lives, uniquely present in this way that began in a manger in Bethlehem. Mary treasured all the words of the shepherds, and she pondered them in her heart. Over the coming festal days, and they are festal days, as you gather for meals, light candles, put on the Christmas tree lights, maybe watch the delight in the faces of the kids as they unwrap those parcels, or visit with friends, or go out skating, or head to an afternoon movie out for Chinese food on New Year's Day, or whatever else it is that you love to do at this, the very darkest time of the year, consider, too, the things that make you feel afraid or overwhelmed. And then hear again that important line of angels, do not be afraid. Ponder in your own hearts these things that still and always call us into the deepest place of hopefulness. Have a happy and blessed Christmas season. Amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.